It is springtime in the upper Midwest. We still have snow on the ground. I am in a shed where Mobile Podcast Command is parked for a little bit of a while. We're doing some rest and recuperation and refitting. And I'll do another podcast about that here shortly. But I've had something kind of um, lurking in the back of my head for a while. So I'm going to take a little walk and we're going to talk about uh, In the Absence of Truth. We'll talk about that in Podcast 1094, Podcast 1094, The Bob Davis Podcasts. Yeah, it's a big shed. This this place is, uh, there's a lot of equipment in here, so I'm just walking around looking at boats and trailers and old uh, Alice Chalmers tractors and <laughs> things like that. And one of the one of the people I want to thank, of course, is Ryan Plumbing and Heating of St. Paul for sponsoring the Bob Davis podcast all these years. And to remind everybody, yeah, it's starting to get warm in Minneapolis and St. Paul and the surrounding areas. In fact, we've had some, you know, really warm days. I'm not far from there, so I think the weather pattern over here is probably much the same as in uh, Minnesota uh, across the river. And this is a great time to start thinking about getting your systems checked before spring. We have uh, an old cabin here that has a furnace that's so complicated. You go down there and, I mean, it's a relatively new furnace and there's wires going everywhere. And there's a new side and an old side. And so the new side is fully winterized and you can hang out in there in the, in the winter. But in uh, the old side is pretty much, you know, and it's really old. It's like 1920s cabin. So that's pretty much locked up and closed off all winter long. And to make a long story short, uh, I heard a noise and I opened up the old side and walked over there. And sure enough, all winter long, they've been heating the old side. And we don't know how or why. So this is why you should have Ryan come out and check your heating and checking your air conditioning, especially because sometimes things happen in the winter that you really don't understand. So if you want help, if you have plumbing or heating problems, home or business, call Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul, 651-224-4771 in Minneapolis, 612-927-6488. I think they've been at that location for roughly 70 years. Quality replacement and repair of all plumbing, heating, and air conditioning systems, residential and business, Ryan Plumbing and Heating. Check them out online at ryanplumbing.com. So first, a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm walking out here, and it's a beautiful, beautiful day. It's about 75 degrees. We have what I would refer to only as glacier-type snow still on the ground in large amounts the the field right across from me is clear but the snow is melting and so you walk through these really cool areas and there's a lot of water and you know one of the things i don't like in podcasting or on video is lots of wind and it's fairly calm out here but as i walk you know i'm moving and you you might hear some wind so what does wind sound like that's wind and i hate it so I get, ver- I get very upset and frustrated when there's a lot of re- a wind. So just FYI, I'm trying to keep as much of it out of the microphone as I can, but occasionally some is going to get in. In the absence of truth, why do I want to talk about this? So let me start with that. You know, I used to talk about politics all the time on the radio. In, in the early podcast, I talked a lot about it. And w- one of the things that you'll see, I just redid the uh, the bobdavispodcast.com um, uh, page and I've cleared we cleared a lot of stuff out thanks Beth we cleared a lot of stuff out so that it will run faster and hopefully you'll get your podcast easier wherever you get it 
So the early podcasts are more political. And one of the things I said in the about section was that um, I've really moved from one place to another in my life. And, uh, and so th- a lot of that political stuff, while well, I've left it up, because there's over a thousand podcasts, almost 1,100 podcasts, we're closing in on 1,100. Over the years, I don't know. I, we debated whether I should just take those down, but I left them up. And the reason I put that in the about section was you can, if you really wanted to, you could sort of see the, this process that I've gone through uh, from right after I quit radio to, um, to today in terms of being a nomad and still continuing to podcast. And I've learned not to talk about politics. And it isn't that I have a hard and fast rule, but generally speaking, I don't. And the reason is there is no way to... um, It doesn't serve any purpose at all. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some reasons why uh, in this podcast, I do talk about politics with friends and family and my fellow nomads because it's something that comes up around the campfire and it's part of a process of getting to know people and it's on the minds of a lot of people because they are taking in media from all over the place. And uh, I became, around the campfire, the fact checker to the point where I, I used to go and announce, I'm, I'm, we're having a moratorium on fact checking because it upsets people when, you, when they make statements and you go, that's kind of not true and here's why. And, and it certainly upsets me when I find out that I'm wrong about something too. And it was said to me at one point, hey, I can't talk about politics anymore because I am strongly convicted about what's happening in this country and I, I'm, I feel really passionate about it and I can't talk about it anymore. Because why? Well, because I'm, I, I, I'm basically attacking the, the quote-unquote truth of certain statements as to whether or not they're even facts and people don't like that. And I said, well, look, I'm not going to ruin a friendship over you know, uh, a, a certain way of talking about politics. I can do this all day and it doesn't affect my feeling about somebody personally uh, in any way, shape, or form. If it affects how you feel about me, then I'm, we won't do it. So, you know, we're friends and we're better friends because I, I think because that's one of the things I said. I'm not going to blow a, a perfectly great friendship up because, you know, uh, because we both have quote-unquote strong feelings or because I'm fact-checking, you know, your statements or mine. So that's kind of where we're at. But in conclusion, one of the things that really prevents me from, from you know, in other words, no one's telling me I can't talk about politics. It's just that as, as the CEO of this little tiny company, I've decided that's my policy. We're not going to talk about politics because it's a losing proposition. And the main reason for that is we are living in a sea of uh, lies, half-truths, fantasy, and pure nonsense. It's everywhere, and it doesn't matter. People think that they're watching YouTube, they're watching some guy on YouTube, and so that's good information, or they're listening to some guy like me on a podcast, so that's good information, but it's only one perspective, and we have a a whole society which is um, literally in a sea, living in a sea of absolute uh, untruths, nonsense, fantasy, and non-facts presented as fact and presented as the basis for many predictions about what's going to happen, whether it is the religious stuff that impinges on the social and political world, or it's some general or captain or specialist or corporal who has been put in charge or is in part of some, you know, we're going to have Joe on as a guest because Joe was in Ukraine as a whatever, and somehow suddenly he's talking about the geopolitical situation. And, and do, you know, how do you know whether that guy 
And he might say something that's really important, but he might not. And so how do you determine that? And so that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I think it's time somebody just said, you know, the easy thing to say would be, don't pay any attention to any of it because it's all lies. But the truth of the matter is some of it's, there are facts embedded in some of this stuff. And it's very difficult to, it's, it, it becomes very difficult to determine facts. There is no one central location where you're going to hear facts. And everybody always says, this is the truth. Well, not necessarily. So determining the truth is really what we're talking about in this podcast. How do I determine the truth, regardless of what it's about? You know, uh, and, and, and for this, I will exempt religious stuff because the spiritual slash religious stuff, uh, health stuff, maybe, is kind of a personal, you know, uh, you know a, a personal point of view. And uh, so we'll leave that alone. But when religion, quote unquote, spirituality, when that becomes, when that impinges on the the on society in some way shape or form then it becomes relevant to determine whether that statement is factual so that is what i'm talking about in this podcast in the absence of truth therein lies evil now that's a quote somewhere in the bible i don't know where i wouldn't i think it is it may not be who knows but in the absence of truth and this is not in the bible uh inauthenticity inconsistency or inconstancy a lack of clarity and an absence of meaning prevails. A cloud of deception and a skewed sense of reality ensues. False promises are made, people are led astray, and then they grasp at what they once believed to be true. The truth, often embellished, reaches a breaking point where brand credibility uh, or the credibility of a nation or the credibility of a person, a party, a political party, a movement, whatever, basically begins to crumble, leaving an aftertaste of distrust and disappointment. So what's the one thing that you hear all the time that is most highly valued? And that is authenticity. How are you authentic? How, how, how do you become your authentic self? You have to tell the truth. You have to feel that you're telling the truth inside you have to say this is what i know you know i was this is what happened to me this is what made me this way whatever it is that's the authenticity is being real uh and i'm just using that as a sidebar to say how important real truth is well in the absence of truth therein lies evil is basically why we use logic and we use other tools to determine uh what is um, the truth. What is a fact? Because truth is really a subjective term. If you look the word truth up, and I didn't before this podcast, and I'm walking, so I'm not going to go get on my phone and start trying to, to figure it out. But uh, my surprise when I read what truth actually is, is truth is actually very subjective. So the word truth is a very subjective word. Fact is something else entirely. Logic is something else entirely. So in this podcast, I want to talk about what um, what I use to determine facts and reinforce, first of all, that in general, we are living in a world, a complete a world of nonsense, fantasy, lies, half-truths, opinions that, uh, that people just take as, quote-unquote, the truth, when they aren't facts, and they don't take the time to determine facts and this has a lot to do with why people feel the way they do, because they are, quote unquote, ignorant of the facts. Ignorance does not mean we're stupid. It means we're ignorant of the facts. 
That's the first thing. The second thing is I started this journey because I became very interested in the financial situation and I became very interested because I didn't want to pay five, four, fifty-four, or whatever it was for the price for a gallon of diesel and I was furious about it. So I took the time to start educating myself on the financial system, on the, on the monetary system, on what a reserve currency is, what the Federal Reserve does, how banks work, yada, yada, yada. And I watched a lot of video on YouTube and over time, I've stopped watching certain commentators on YouTube because I've concluded that they are not dealing with facts or they're twisting facts or exaggerating facts to prove a point or to sell, um, you know, some kind of report or get people to sign up for their course on how to trade. And so I, I don't watch those people anymore. And over time, I've learned what I don't know, which I think is very, very important. Uh, there's a lot that I don't know, and there's a lot that we don't know, and it's okay to say that you don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know enough to know whether that's relevant. I don't know enough to know whether that's even true. How do you look it up? Well, you know, that's... So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about how I search and tell you the, com the complex problems and why these things are so complex. I just had... Uh, one of the things we've been talking about here uh, up in Wisconsin, friends and family, is, you know, uh, we'll sit around the table, we talk about recession and, and, and whatnot. And uh, over the last few days, I've had some back and forth with a friend of mine about, uh, about recession. And last night, uh, he started talking about how uh, the budget projections for uh, California after years of budget surpluses is suddenly negative. And what he was saying was, I think there's going to be a recession. So you were right. I and I took. I started saying, well, you know, uh, what's a? I, I I was trying to prove that the COVID relief money was the reason that that California had a, a, a surplus. Well, that's really is that a fact? I don't know. So we started to search and found out that it's very difficult to find out. A you know, how much COVID relief money was actually spent, where it went, what states got it, what they spent it on. And it, it kind of ensued into an argument. And finally, he goes, why don't you just take the win? Because yesterday we were talking about whether or not recession was in, imminent. And I'm saying, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> and we started laughing. But it's exceedingly difficult to look up budget information or things like that. And in those cases, it isn't that the other person's wrong or that you're wrong or right. It's that you just don't have enough information. And so you have to be willing to say, hey, you know, I just don't know. I, it could be, you know, maybe, maybe not. I, 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 and it's hard to do that because we all want to be right in a conversation about uh, politics. So one of the things I wanted to share is the, is the, let me get these papers out of my jacket. Um, one of the things I wanted to share is um, the, some of the things that I use to determine fact. And again, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an expert on these things. I, in, in my effort to kind of search, in my effort to kind of search for stuff, um, this is kind of where I ended up. I, at one point, I looked up the rules of evidence. I don't know where I got it in my mind. It just popped into my head and I said, okay, I'm going to search the rules of evidence. Uh, and, and, and there's a set of them available at Cornell Law School. There's one from Columbia. Um, and, and the reason for that is there are all kinds of rules of, of evidence in court um, related to judges deciding whether to try cases or whether to admit certain things in, uh, in a trial as facts. Um, there's different rules of evidence for federal courts, for you know circuit courts, for state courts. There's you know civil courts have different rules of evidence from uh, from criminal and so on. 
and obviously attorneys are well versed in, in, in really voluminous uh, amounts of, of, uh, of uh, rules of evidence. And I was amused to, uh, to be watching the uh, recent trial of the guy down in South Carolina who killed his wife and son, uh, Murdoch, and uh, the, um, uh, the, 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 there was an objection uh, and the defense was like 602, 619, 421, and 433. And they were just citing law you know or 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 a rule uh, you know in a court and uh, the judge is like mm, i don't know and then the other guy was like no 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 293 is is why we said that or whatever it is so they were citing just literally throwing out numbers and the judge finally said yeah overruled or whatever it was i thought that was fascinating so it can get very complicated it doesn't have to be that complicated because basically it is um, it is a it is a way to determine logically uh, what a fact is and and very quickly let me get my, uh, my, my, my definition of logical truth out. So, uh, logical truth is a fundamental concept in logic, right? And a logical truth is basically a statement which is true regardless of the truth or falsity of its constituent propositions. In other words, a logical truth is a statement which is not only true, but one which is true under all interpretations of its logical components. So, the first thing you need to do logically is determine is the basis of what is being said uh, fact and true and then what I do is I use the rules of evidence and and I do this unconsciously or or consciously depending on how much I'm interested in the topic that I'm testing so in the second half of this podcast I will uh, I'll give you the the rules of evidence and then we'll talk a little bit about what this is why we have to do this as people if we're interested and then we'll be done well, as I walk around here, let me t- let me just sort of lay the groundwork. The, uh, the there's a everything's brown and gray as the snow melts. The gardens we used to have really nice gardens down here, and they're just a mess. And if that's you, then listen up because I'm going to tell you about GardenGurusMN.com. What they can do is they can get your garden ready for you to do the fun stuff, which is plant stuff, or they can do the whole thing. But basically, one of the things they specialize in is helping people get their gardens out of this sort of gray mess that we see right now as the snow melts. They also do real estate. Uh, in, in other words, they can stage real estate. Uh, they, can do, they can do gardens and, and things like that in real estate or corporate. So if you want to know more, these guys can really help you get a head start on your gardening for this summer. And we all need that. We need that sense of peace uh, and, and uh, security that gardening brings on a beautiful Saturday for people, especially given the craziness of the times that we live in. So GardenGurusMN.com. And thanks, guys, for sponsoring the Bob Davis Podcasts. I've gone on and on about logic and truth and the absence of truth. And I, I'll, I'll just say this about the absence of truth. We might run a little long in this walk, but uh, I'll just say this about the absence of truth. Without truth, without facts, you're living in a delirium. And I've done podcasts about I really, I personally believe that if we are living in a delirium, a place where we really don't know which end is up or down, what is right and what is left and vice versa, um, the facts, the disappearance or the absence of facts equals the absence of truth. And it leaves you with a sense of, of confusion about what is real and not real. And that is a delirium. I use the rules of evidence. And so there's four general types of evidence, real or tangible evidence, which is something you hold in your hand, a gun uh, or a knife that was involved in the murder, Uh, demonstrative evidence, 
helps to clarify or assist in witness testimony. So somebody's giving some testimony and you show them a map and say, where did the accident happen? And they point to a point on the, on the map. Documentary evidence, which is generally what we deal with when we're fact-checking, because you're looking for documents that can say, okay, yeah, uh, California's budget surplus is due to COVID money. Is that true or false? Uh, documentary evidence can also be a type of real evidence like a contract. It also includes electronic and digital evidence as well, but when we don't deal with that as, uh, as just consumers. Uh, and then finally, testimonial evidence, which is largely what we deal with as consumers. And let's just say that we're the trier of the case. As the viewer, we are the judge. Testimonial evidence is what a competent witness says in court. So all these shows that come on television uh, have experts that tell us what is going on. And we have to weigh what the competent witness is saying uh, in terms of proving a fact or disproving a fact. So... Let's talk about relevance, because relevance is really, really also important. And then I'm going to talk about media real quick. Um, federal rules of evidence say that, that evidence is relevant if it has any tendency to make a fact more or less probable than it would be without the evidence. So when you're listening to something, you have to decide, is it relevant? It is, in fact, uh, you know, uh, that this particular statement or this fact, after you've determined it, if it's a fact... Then you have to decide, is this going to be relevant in me deciding that I think this, that, or the other thing, that uh, the fact will be of consequence in determining what you come up with as the viewer slash judge. Relevant evidence only needs to have any tendency that can help determine the probability of a fact. That means even weak evidence can be relevant, and it's up to you, the judge, the trier, uh, of public opinion, let's say, to weigh these facts. Once you determine if they're facts, and tell and decide, I'm gonna, I'm going to reject that because that's not going to help me make a decision or know any more than I know now. Um, in addition to being relevant, the evidence has to be authenticated. So in our case, we're talking about a witness testimony because that's what we're seeing on television. Usually they stipulate evidence is authentic with opposing counsel. You'll often hear that in objections and, and, and so forth. And you request that a testimony is admitted, usually during discovery, in which one party asks the other to admit or deny that an item of evidence is authentic. So if you know that something is authentic, then fine. So if you hear an expert saying, last week, you know, this happened, you have to say, okay, well, is that true? Am I going to, again, am I going to admit that as, as relevant and uh, authentic in uh, what I'm saying. So the viewer of, or the consumer of media and, and information is constantly put in a position of not knowing whether what the person is saying is actually true. And usually what we use is life experience or whether or not we believe it. And usually whether or not we believe it depends on whether we agree with it. Nobody doesn't like their favorite song. So when they're singing the song that you love, you agree with them, but that's not necessarily facts. And so we have to train ourselves to say, Gee, I like that guy, and I like what he's saying. I'm going to fact check what he's saying to find out uh, whether what he's saying is true. And you find you maybe you'll find the newspaper article. So you take what he's saying, you put it in the search window, you hit go, and you will go three or four lines down and find an article that has a description of what they were talking about. And you go, oh, that's what happened. So 
That's not what they're saying, but this, this is this is what this story says. Then you search another story, and you find that story, and eventually you find enough stories with enough countervailing, quote-unquote, facts that you can sort of sketch out in your mind what is relevant and authentic, and you can say, so, okay, this guy's full of, you know, uh, manure. Uh, real quick about hearsay. A hearsay is an out-of-court statement offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted in the statement Bob told me back in June that Johnny stole that candy bar is hearsay because it occurred out of court and it's being offered to prove that Johnny stole the candy bar. So hearsay is generally not admissible. There are exceptions to the rule, uh, but basically a lot of what we see in here in media is hearsay. It, we don't know if it's true. And so it's, it's essentially as the trier of the case, you the viewer, me the viewer, you kind of have to say, Okay, I'm, I'm going to have to let that not be a fact because I, don't, I can't determine whether it's authentic or true. Finally, a couple of things about context. Uh, I, think I think context is just as important as relevance and not in a legal sense. Context is um, important in fully understanding what's going on. So when you hear people talking about the Ukraine, it helps to know Russian history. It helps to know European history. It helps to know European history going all the time back to the Middle Ages. Uh, for example, Ray Dalio likes to talk about his, his, his incredible expertise on the history of all civilization. Ray Dalio has not spent his life studying uh, in the university setting uh, uh, antiquities, so I don't know that I would say that uh, Ray Dalio is an expert on, on ancient society. He's read with a certain point of view to prove the points that he wants to make. One of them is that we're debasing the currency right? And everybody goes, the dollar's not worth anything because we've debased the currency just like Rome did, and that's what caused Rome to fall. Well, is that what caused Rome to fall? Well, there's numerous reasons for the fall of Rome, but here's the key question. When was the currency debased in Rome, and how was the currency debased in Rome? Who did it? The emperor Diocletian did it, uh, and, and why? Uh, and what were the effects of it short-term and long-term, and what happened after that? So the fall of Rome could have been lead pipes. It could have been, you know, the fact that it just got too big and they didn't have the communication capabilities to run it properly. But the fall of the Western Empire was uh, eclipsed by the rise of the Eastern Empire. So the, the Eastern Roman Empire went on for a long time after, uh, uh, roughly up until 1100. So the idea of the Eastern Roman Empire being, uh, uh, which empire are you talking about in terms of debasing the currency? That's, that's the kind of stuff. So I don't listen to Ray Dalio because uh, I know Roman history. And, and the, prob the, the other thing is you can't read Ray Dalio's book or The Fourth Turning if you're going to read history. That's not history. That's opinion. You have to go and find the textbooks or you have to go find the original. Like, for example, if you want to know Roman history, you have to read Gibbon. Uh, or you have to go get Will and Ariel Durant's uh, History of the World and start reading them. And they're, they'll take you a long time to read, but you will understand the sweep of history. Now, you can say, and many people do, they don't like Will and Ariel Durant, let's say. They don't like uh, Gibbon because Gibbon was a British, a Britisher, you know, and, and, and uh, had that sort of acid uh, sense of sarcasm and expressed a lot of negative opinions, which may or may not be true. But to understand basically a sweeping concept of the empire, this is the book to read from Justinian to, you know, Caesar, let's say. And uh, the same is true with all European history or Civil War history. You got to start with Shelby Foote or Lee's Lieutenants or books about that will tell you facts about the Civil War. And then, if you want to read revisionist history, because there always is revisions, then you'll understand the basis which from which you're coming. Now you know you have the light. You've turned the light on in the room, and you have a concept in your mind 
of um, what is actually going on in that room. When you just watch things because and you hear things about Ukraine or you hear things about Russia or you hear things about whatever, you don't have any context. Part of context also is the source. So if it's Russia today, it's Russian propaganda. If you're watching a YouTube channel, you need to look up who's doing the channel and where they came from, and they won't tell you that they're owned by RT or some other source of propaganda. Uh, you have to look up their name and figure it out. Uh, I've done that I don't know how many times and completely discarded the information because I concluded it's either A, it's not factual, or it's a twisting of facts. There's two factors in American media now that are significant that cause this problem. One is creating a sense of urgency. They have to create a disaster ahead so that you will. So, for example, you know, if you want to get ratings, you got to show the burnt, the fire. The fire is burning the towns up, and it's the end of the world for California. See, this is why I moved. This is why people are moving out of California, you know, because of the fires or because of the lakes or because of global warming or whatever the because is. They have to show you and why, because they want to create this idea that the end of the world is coming and you've got to keep watching and, and subscribing and hitting the bell and like and on and on and on they, and commenting. So they, that, that's a sense of urgency that is, um, that's basically, you could say, well, it's a lie. It's just a sense of urgency that they create to keep people listening. If you go back to when you were a kid and you used to listen to the radio, the DJ would come on and go, hey, man, I'm going to give those Rolling Stone tickets away next. So you'd listen through the commercial break, and then he might give the tickets away after the break, and he might wait five minutes after the next song to give away. So you got to keep listening to win, right? That's an example of creating a sense of urgency around what you're doing in terms of a media product, even if it's on YouTube or if it's a Twitter feed or Facebook or whatever it is. So you have to take that into account if you're the trier in the case. And the other, the other element is um, the idea that they have a penchant for, for making people predict the future. And you very seldom... So, for example, let's use Ben Hodges on Times Radio and other sources uh, up to and including... They've got, he, now he's got his own channel where they just chop up other stuff he said and put it together, right? Like it's, and it was posted yesterday, but he, it's stuff he said weeks ago. Uh, and his favorite thing to do is to predict that Ukraine's going to win the war. And it doesn't matter if Ukraine wins the war or doesn't win the war. He's forever going to be the guy that was for the Ukraine. So he's not going to have any complaints about it or anything. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with the Ukraine war. I, I, I have no idea. I know that Russia is there and I know that Russia invaded. Those are facts. The rest of it, who knows? But Ben Hodges is constantly taking a certain point of view and predicting the outcome. And the commentators and the presenters love to ask him what's going to happen. And then he goes on and on about what's going to happen. They do this in finance. They do it in politics. Who's going to run for president? Well, I think, Dave, that Phil's going to run for president and he's going to be great. Well, he doesn't know if Phil's going to run for president or not. And it doesn't matter because he's the guy that's going to tell you what's going to So that's not a fact. So you should just discard that at that point. So the smart person says, I'm the trier of this case. That's out. We're not going to include that in the case, whatever the case is. So those two things make American media in particular, international media, and certainly media online, extremely suspect because everything is about predicting the future. I don't care what it's on. The only people that genuinely do it and do it as, as part of what they do are the astrologers and the tarot card readers that, you know, you know they're going to tell you a bunch of nonsense. So you're like, okay, this is great. I like listening to this. Uh, when it comes to politics or, or finance or, or war or geopolitics or any of that stuff, most of the time we don't know what's going to happen. And the problem is with advocators, so people who opine the, a certain point of view 
they are advocating for a certain action because it's going to make A happen. So they're not only are they they basically advocating and telling you facts that support their their advocacy, then they're going to tell you that if we don't do this, then this is going to happen. And you they don't know what's going to happen because my experience has been that what when someone says A and they advocate for A, we have to do A. A is not what happens. B, C, D, F, or some horrible other thing happens. And then you never hear from that guy. He shuts up, and then six weeks later, he's back on there moaning and groaning about something else and telling us that we have to do this because this is going to happen. And they just keep doing it. Because why? Because they're trying to get likes and shares and, and subscriptions and views and get people to watch longer. And, and this, is the, this is the position that we're in as citizens. And if we think that we are going to be free and that we're in charge... And we're not involved in politics, and we're not involved in finance, and we're not involved in these things enough to know which end is up, or we haven't educated ourselves, then are we really doing our jobs as citizens, and we should, should we be voting if we don't know anything? So, that is it. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast. Thanks uh, to—I have two people. I don't have my phone handy, but I have two people that I have to thank this month for contributions to the Bob Davis Podcast. The donate window is still up right under the picture of the Bob Davis Podcast. You click on that, and you can make a donation to the Bob Davis Podcast. We are available wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so forth. And, of course, right off the page at thebobdavispodcast.com, there's streaming audio right at the top in a big red box and there are also individual podcasts you scroll down you read the blogs and you find the podcast and click it now i have sped up the website we've taken down a ton of stuff that was up there and cleaned it up a lot and so it runs a little faster and that may help you get in your podcast from bob davis podcast as well as subscribing on itunes thanks for listening to podcast 1094 1094 in the absence of truth the walk is over time for a cup of coffee. Thanks for listening to Bob Davis Podcasts. <gasps> you got the power to make